This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. You got the Penguins, the Capitals, the Boston Bruins, and the Islanders. It's great as a Panthers fan to say we're back in the playoffs. David, what do you think about the New York Knicks right now? I think that they're dangerous. I think that they're a dangerous team. But I really do appreciate Matt Barnes coming in and closing the door. Corey Kluber, though, eight shutout innings, 10 strikeouts. Um, and it was a good win for the Yankees. And here's your host, David Barnes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 27 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. I'm David Marr, alongside Andrew Spizzano. Great week of action in the NBA and in the NHL. We will start in the NBA since the hockey season is turning. The playoff spots are all wrapped up. So let's dive into basketball. And Andrew, let's start with the team that's caught I know it's caught your eye, and it's caught most most of us uh, basketball fans out there, uh, the New York Knicks. And the Knicks go on the road, a road trip that was pretty important, and they lost three of the last four to the Suns, Nuggets, and recently the overtime loss to the Lakers. Uh, what's the takeaway from the Knicks' performance over the last couple of games? Well, one thing I'll say is the New York Knicks, they haven't – played very well against the top five teams in the league all year. Um, I think they got swept by the Suns. They got swept by the Nuggets this year. They split with the Lakers. The Lakers did have Anthony Davis back last night, but he was not, he only scored 20 points on 23 shots. Um, so you got to win that game. LeBron James couldn't close it out. I am impressed with their win in L.A. over the Clippers, however, though. You know, I thought that was a big win for them. Um, you know, as a Knicks fan, I didn't expect that we would beat Denver or Phoenix. You know, both of those teams, we've had trouble with them in the past. Um, but the Clippers was a surprise. But it, they really needed to win that game against the Lakers if they wanted to hold on to that four spot because now they're tied with the Heat and the Hawks all sitting at 38 and 31 and they've and the Hawks have three very winnable games coming up on their schedule. So they're probably looking right now to get that, that four spot, which is huge because that gets you home court advantage in the first round. And the Knicks, um, they also have, they have a decent coming home three games. You know, they're taking on the Spurs, which I think is a winnable game. They're taking on the Hornets who they've had success against this year. And then they're taking on the Celtics who, that game just became very winnable as Jalen Brown is unfortunately out for the season. You know, that's really a rough blow for the Celtics. But the Knicks, you know, they've also been manual quickly and Alec Burks, but Thibodeau said they're expected to come back on this homestand. So I think getting them back will be big. And I think the Knicks need to win all three games if they want to at least push for that four spot. If they win one, they do get into the playoffs, as I found out yesterday on social media. If they win one, they're in. They don't have to play in the play-in, which I think is important. Um, 
but I think it, again, it's learning experience and um, the Knicks are still a good team. They can play good defense. They, you know, it's, it's really hard for them to, um, I think, win against some of the better teams in that Western conference, like the Lakers and the Suns. Um, but Miami has to play two of the last three against two of the three best teams in the East and the Hawks have to play Washington tonight. It's going to be a pretty interesting game in the Eastern Conference. So let's go to the Celtics. Obviously, Jalen Brown is out. So the Celtics are um, in a little bit of trouble. But also, they have just been – I don't even know what to think of the Celtics at this point other than the fact that they are just not a good team anymore. They really are not good. They've lost – they dropped two against – Miami. They've lost to Chicago. They lost to Portland in a game I thought that was winnable. They've lost four or five. And now they're going to be without Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker tonight against Cleveland. So is it injuries or is it just poor defense that have allowed the Celtics to just fail to win these very winnable games? You know, obviously this round really hurts, but I, I think it's their defense and we've seen it all year. You know, they've been very inconsistent on the defensive end of the floor. You know, they'll have some games they go out like that game against the Suns where they shut them down. But then they'll go up against – we're seeing it in the month of May. In four or five games, out over 120 points. And, you know, you're not going to win games, especially in the playoffs, if you're doing that, especially when you're missing one of your pre- one of your best scorers, Brown, you know. That was a really rough home stretch against the Heat. You know, those are two games that, you know, the Heat are a team that you could catch going into that two games. But, you know, they came out and they just, yeah, their offense played well. They scored 124, 121 points. But you can't allow, you can't lose those games, especially in the situation that they're in, you know, with the season coming down to a close. But I think they're in a good spot to get one of, they're going to get one of those playing spots that I'm sure they probably already clinched one at this point, but it's going to be tough. They're going to have to figure it out defensively or they could be going home next week. Injuries are starting to pile up and, you know, obviously that's one of the concerns with the Celtics. It's also the, you're right. They're playing very poor defense, but on the other side of the coin, I'm impressed with Miami. You know, the heat have been up and down and they've won three in a row in five of the first six games in May. Their one loss was against Dallas, and Dallas has been a pretty good team in the West. So I'm, I'm slowly watching Miami. They do have a tough road coming up with Philadelphia and Milwaukee on their schedule, but they have been playing some pretty solid defense. And, um, you know, interesting to see if the Heat can catch the Atlanta Hawks for that number four spot. Um, so let's turn our attention to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they've won two in a row. But a lot of injuries are starting to pile up. Kyrie is potentially out tonight with a facial contusion. Harden has been out. What can the uh, – I mean, and Brooklyn's won two in a row, obviously. Nothing to take away before that. They lost three in a row uh, to – the or four in a row, excuse me, to Portland, Milwaukee, and Dallas. Um, much like the Celtics, is it injuries or just the fact that they are not playing good defense? You know, I think one thing we've seen with Brooklyn all year is they've had that three, and it's been consistent where one or two of the guys have been missing from the lineup every single night. You know, and I'm curious to see how them going into the playoffs because these guys haven't all really played together, and I think they're going to get James Harden back as well as Kyrie and KD who are all 
Paul right now. I mean, Kyrie might be out tonight. But one thing that's concerned me with them all year has been their defense. And, you know, I will say it has improved throughout the year. But in, a re- in recent recent stretches, they've, been, they've still been allowing a lot of points, you know. Um, and they only won by eight against the Bulls last night. And they, I think Zach Levine had 42 against them. But, you know, I think it's a combination of both injuries that have really been factors for the Nets' struggles this year. But I think they're still they're, – they're not going to get the one. I don't think they're going to catch the Sixers. You know, I think they ran out of time for that. But they do have some winnable games coming up against the Spurs, the Bulls, and the Cavs. So I want to see how they – I think they really need to focus on points and – just figuring out their game going into the playoffs and gelling together as a unit. Yeah, I, I think that the number one spot's pretty much out of reach with the way Philadelphia's been playing. They're six and four in their last 10, but two good wins against Chicago and Denver, who I think will give them some confidence. And again, winnable schedule with San Antonio, Cleveland, and Chicago on that schedule. So that's it for the East, but let's transition over to the West and let's start with Utah. Speaking of going six and four in their last 10, Utah has been struggling as well. They're six and four in their last 10. Although they were recently on a uh, five game winning streak before they lost to Golden State. Uh, what do we take away from the way the Warriors played against Utah um, earlier this uh, earlier this week? You know, for the Warriors, that was an impressive win because I think in the third quarter, Steph Curry on seven points and then he erupted. He ended up finishing with 36 which is just absurd, but that was a game where they proved that they have other guys who scored as well. You know, Kent Bazemore had 19, Draymond Green almost had a triple-double, Wiggins had 14, Jordan Poole off the bench with 20. You know, it's important for the Warriors that some of these other guys, the role players, pick it up because you can't just ride Steph Curry in the playoffs and expect to go very far against the teams like the Nuggets, the the Suns, the the Utah Jazz, um, but yeah, it's important. That was a big win for the Warriors. Um, obviously, Utah's they're gonna win the one seed in the West. They're the, they're one of the best teams in the league, and they're dangerous. But that was a big win for the Warriors. And I'm excited to see how they come out in the playoffs. Um, because if they if some of their guys outside of Curry could come out and produce, they're gonna be very dangerous. One of the things that I just saw is that Donovan Mitchell did not play in the game. He didn't start and he didn't get any minutes. He must've been injured or something because he didn't play at all. Um, Rudy Gobert did not play a great game. Bogdanovich had 27 points. Jordan Clarkson had 41 points for Utah. Um, I thought he played an outstanding game, but it shows that the jazz are vulnerable with Donovan Mitchell out of the lineup and, as good a team as they are, they need those guys to come back for the playoffs because they're not a complete uh, team without Donovan Mitchell, who's probably an MVP candidate. And Utah's schedule does get pretty easy. They get Portland coming up at home, and then that will wrap up their home part of the schedule. And then they have Oklahoma City and Sacramento, two teams who are out of it um, at the end of the season. So they can still win the number one. Um, but Phoenix still on their tail. They've dropped uh, – two in a row against Golden State as well. They've lost three of four. Any concerns with the Suns after losing three of four against teams that they felt like they should have beaten? 
Um, yeah, and it's the same problem we're seeing with a lot of these struggling teams, and it's been their defense. You know, they gave up 135 points to the Hawks, the beat-up Lakers, 122 to the Warriors, you know. The Suns, all year, they've been an electric offensive team, you know. They could score with anyone. We saw, we've seen it this month, 123 over the Thunder, 134 over the Cavs, and 116 in their loss the other night. You know, they're going to they're gonna score a lot of points, but they really need to figure out their defense, I think, um, going into the playoffs. And they've got, they've got an interesting schedule coming up because, yeah, they're be- I think you, they're better than the Blazers. They're better than the Spurs. But those are three games on the road. The Spurs, they're going to play hard despite not really being in it. So are the so – the, I mean, the Blazers are good. And that game's actually at home. but So that'll be an interesting – but I think the, the Suns, you know, they've got a couple of – not. they're not layup games coming up. They're going to go up against teams that are playing hard. I want to see them go out there, one all through, and – and establish themselves as that second seed in the West. The only way that the Suns can catch Utah at this point is if the Suns win out and Utah loses two of their last three games. Utah loses two of their last three. Phoenix owns the tiebreaker, so that means they will leapfrog Utah in the number in the number one spot. So that's the only way that Phoenix can get the number one spot. Same with Brooklyn in the East. They would have to win out and hope that Philadelphia drops. Um all three of their last games that they're going to win the number one spot. So um, let's take a look at Portland. Portland has been on a run. They've been, they've won four straight, eight of their last 10. At, a couple of weeks ago, we thought this team was dead in the water and they have scraped together some pretty big wins. They beat the Nets. They beat the Celtics. They beat um, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, what, what, what are our opinions on um, Portland right now being a, at sitting at number five and uh, sitting at number five in the West. Well, a few things. A, they got they have both Lillard and McCollum healthy, and they they both balled out the other night. Thirty four points for Lillard and twenty eight for McCollum, and they put up one hundred and forty points at home against the rest. A couple other things. One, they got Nurkic back, who's really solid for them. You know, he's really been good for them the last few years, and you know, I think you deal with injury problems, but now that he's back, he put up 22-6-5 and five the other night, which is big for them. But the acquisition of Norm Powell at the trade deadline has been absolutely incredible for them. You know, he had a 28-point game the other night, and he's averaging just under 18 points per game since coming over from Toronto. It was a great pickup for them. And, yeah, I think the Blazers, they look good right now. I remember we were having a little bit of concerns a couple of weeks ago about them. You know, they were sliding a little bit. But they've complete, I've completely gained confidence in them recently. You know, their offense looks good. They've been playing much better defensively. Look out for Portland. They're not going to be an easy team to beat in the playoffs. And as it stands right now, we would have a matchup of Denver, or of Portland and the Clippers – I think it'd be a really entertaining series if we get that. Portland currently sits at number five. They're five games. They would probably would have clinched the number five seed. Um, if they keep winning or Dallas keeps losing, the Mavericks have been on a tear as well. Seven of their last three, or excuse me, seven of their last 10 that they've won. They just really struggled against Memphis yesterday, uh, giving up 133 points to the Grizzlies who are dangerous, but 
I like where the Blazers are at right now. They've been playing pretty solid. Damian Lillard is an MVP candidate if the Blazers make the playoffs, which they probably will. But Portland against Denver would be a really fun series because Denver's played some very good defense, and the Blazers have uh, a pretty solid offense at this point in the season. And you want to be playing your best brand of ball at this part and at this point in time with the playoffs on on the horizon. So, all right, let's go to speed round. East, any building in the NBA, what's the hardest building to play at now that fans are being back in? Ooh, so there's one in the East and one in the West I want to talk about each. So I'll start with the West. I think it's in Golden State. You know, those fans go crazy. Um, and obviously with the war, with Steph Curry playing like an MVP candidate, it's really hard to win in there. I remember seeing it play out like that a couple of years ago in the playoffs when they were a super team. And in the East, I'm, I know I'm a little biased, but I'm going to go with the New York Knicks. And that's why I want them to get that forward so bad because Knicks fans are hungry to be back in the playoffs and their fans go crazy in the garden. You know, I think if they could get that four spot, they would have a massive advantage over whoever clinches the five spot in the East. So it's important that the Knicks win out in their next three games because they've also played very well at home this year. Um, they are 22 and 11 at home, which is the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference. So it's important that they get home. Yeah, I think the Knicks could benefit from home court advantage, but I, would, I was going to say Philadelphia. Uh, I think Philly is probably the toughest building in the league to play in with those Sixer fans that adore the Sixers. They've only lost seven games at home, and that's, you know, that's a small percent of their losses this year. So that'd be a tough building. And then if we're going out West, I would say Phoenix. I think the Suns could benefit from having a, uh, a home crowd. I think they'd be tough to beat in there. Um, who is the favorite to run the table in the Eastern Conference? Um, right now, it's the 76ers. You know, they've been playing the best basketball. You know, I know they lost the other night, but they've won eight of their last 10. Um, Tobias Harris has looked good. You know, Joel Embiid is back and healthy. Ben Simmons is a beast. Um, they've gotten great bench production out of guys like Seth Curry, um, Shake Milton. Danny Green's been really good for them. Right now, they're the team to beat in the East. I'm going to be uh, throw a hot take in there, and I'm going to say the Bucs. I think the Bucs, I think because they have played so well against all these great teams, they since I think the middle of April, they've gone 4-0 against Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Aside from that really tough first half against the Spurs where they gave up 87 points in the first half, they have only lost one game in May and they've played Brooklyn twice. They played Washington, who's dangerous. Um, you know, they played uh, two against Philadelphia that I mentioned at home. That's not a place that's tough to play in, in the league with the way the Bucks can use that home court advantage um, and the way that Giannis has played recently. So um, who is the current favorite for the number four spot in the East? Um, right now, I think it's I think it's the Hawks. I think they have the easiest schedule. You know, looking at it, they play Washington tonight, and it's still uncertain if Bradley Beal is going to play. Then they have the Orlando Magic, who have only won 21 games this year. Then they have the Houston Rockets, who have just 16 wins. Oh, and they hold the tiebreaker right now over the Heat and the Knicks. So, yeah, I think the Hawks can easily win out. All three games are at home. I'm going to give them the edge. I might say Miami because the the they've been playing probably their best basketball 
Um, they score a lot of points. Jimmy Butler, he's been outstanding. Tyler Hero. Uh, Duncan Robinson has been terrific. Um, they do have a tough home finale against Philadelphia, and then the next two are on the road. One's at Milwaukee. That's a tough game. And then the next one's at Detroit. That's a game the Heat should easily win. So if, if they can run the table in, in those last three games and get some help, they can win that number four spot, and they'd be a tough team to beat out West. Um, the Western Conference play-in favorite right now is blank. Oh, wow, this is tough because right now, you know, Dallas could slip. The Lakers can move up with LeBron coming back. Now of the four teams that are in there, I'm going to go with the Lakers just because they're going to get LeBron James back and Anthony Davis is healthy. You know, I think once LeBron comes back, I just can't see any way how San Antonio is going to compete with them. And then I think Memphis and Golden State could be a really good series, you know, with the way John Morant's been playing. Um, and Memphis has actually won three straight. I think that that's that could be a good one, but I'm going to go with the Lakers as my favorite. Surprised you didn't take Golden State, so I'll take it for you. I think the Warriors have the have probably the better roster out of all four of those teams. Um, you Steph Curry, obviously, you got Draymond. Um, who's had a really underrated season. Clay Thompson's been great. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Kelly Oubre has been terrific. Um, they've probably got the best roster of all four teams currently in the play-in tournament in the West. So that's NBA. So let's move on to NHL. The uh, season is basically over at this point because every seed's been pretty much locked up. We're still waiting. We're on the West. If Colorado wins tonight, they're the number two seed. If Vegas wins, they're the President's Trophy champions, and they're the one seed in the West. Everybody plays at 9 o'clock tonight, so we could have our seeds determined by the end of the night. Let's talk about the news that happened five hours ago with the Rangers firing David Quinn, the former BU coach. Uh, fairly disappointing season for the Rangers. They finished above 500, but in uh, fifth place in the East, just a couple points behind the, the Islanders. Uh, Andrew, you're the Rangers fan. What's your reaction to uh, David Quinn being fired? I'm not surprised. You know, there's been a lot of talk all year that they were going to move on from him. You know, um, I also don't think that James Dolan or the Rangers brass love him, loves him very much. Um, and you actually, you figured they were going to clean house when they surprisingly got rid of Gorton and Drury last, or they got rid of Gorton and Davidson last week out of the blue, which I still don't like. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised they got rid of Dave. And I'm actually not disappointed in the Rangers this year. You know, they were, this division they're in is really tough and the Rangers are still, I think they have the youngest roster in hockey. I'm impressed with them that they went over 500. You know, there were a lot of things I liked, you know, Mika's advantage out, obviously he struggled out of the gate cause he was dealing with COVID, but he came out he scored 23 or 24 goals when it was all said and done, you know, he was dynamic. He established himself. He's a top 10 center in the league, I think. Then obviously our tenant parent had a great year. You know, he had to deal with that whole scandal thing in Russia, but he played, he pushed through it. He looked good. And Lafreniere and Kako really developed towards the end of the year. I think they're really going to be solid next year. You know, Adam Fox, I think he's got to be a top two contender for the Norris trophy. Um, and Sturkin looked good. You know, I'm impressed with the way the Rangers look this year, and I'm excited for them going into the next few years because they've got a really bright future. It's all going to – I think it's important that they hire 
a, a good experienced coach though for their next guy instead of going young because that didn't really work out too well with Quinn, I don't think. Yeah, I remember that the I remember the Panthers had Gerard Gallant and they let him go and then they brought in Joel Quenville for their turnaround. And that's what, you know, getting a veteran coach who's got playoff experience, who's won Stanley Cups. If you bring a guy like that in to coach those young guys, I think it'd be a perfect fit for the Rangers. And they are, again, you mentioned they're one of the younger teams in the league. So to see them be that close, um, it's been quite the week for the Rangers to see what happened with Tom Wilson, then their GM and their president get fired. And then they fire their head coach just a few days after that. So what a week for the New York Rangers as a franchise, but we'll see where they go from here as we transition to what's going on right now in the NHL. We were supposed to have my brother come on and talk hockey with us. He couldn't make it. So it's just us. But let's talk about the series that happened over the weekend with the Battle of Florida between the Panthers and the Lightning. The Panthers, I'm not going to say that I wasn't impressed with the way they played against Tampa Bay. They, they outscored the Bolts 9-1 to in two games, must-win games that the Panthers needed to lock up home ice. But same for Tampa Bay. Andrew, what's wrong with Tampa Bay? I, I got to wonder that the Panthers just beat them just because their depth was so good. But it had to have been more than that. So what do we take away from the way the Panthers just decimated Tampa Bay over the weekend? You know, we've seen it play out over the last month or so of the season. Tampa Bay is very inconsistent. You know, they'll have a game against the Stars. I think it was last Wednesday. They went out and put six on the board and won six to two. But then they went out on the Friday against them and lost five to two. Um, and they also they split against the Detroit Red Wings on the road, you know, the worst team in the division. Then against the Panthers, and by the way, the Panthers were outstanding. Um, he, big, big job by them securing home ice. You know, those were two massive games. And they went out there and they just flat out dominated the Lightning. Um, and, you know, that's going to be a big confidence booster too because, yeah, they're going to be playing each other in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, Tampa Bay, you know, defensively, they're just outside of Hedman. They, they haven't had a really a reliable guy, you know, I guess you could say Sergei, but, um, you know, they haven't looked great defensively, at least consistent. It's kind of like the Celtics a little bit, you know, you're just not seeing consistent <laughs> performances from them and offensively, um, you know, they haven't been too consistent there either. You know, just one goal in two must win games is atrocious. Yeah, I'm concerned about Tampa going into this first round because I think the Panthers had their number this weekend, and I think they, I, I would, if I were to, bet, I would bet on the Panthers going into this series with the way Tampa's looked. It's going to be a really fun first round series. I had Randy Muller, the uh, Valley Sports Florida uh, color commentator, on the show earlier today. He said he's going to be, he was excited for the fact that the Panthers and the state of Florida get to play against Tampa Bay. Like the Bulls fans are going to love it. The Panthers fans are going to love it. Um, the, the state of Florida is going to really enjoy the way that these two teams have played in the regular season. Now it's going to be a playoff series. Like it's going to be really, really fun to watch. But I think the big takeaway is that Tampa's not deep like the Panthers. When you see guys like Stamkos and um, I wasn't going to say Kucherov, but I'll say Palat go out of the lineup, they can't score. When you give up Hedman and you give up uh, Ryan McDonough, who's one of the veteran defenders, they can't play defense. And Vasilevsky is the only person that can play goal. They don't really have a reliable backup situation. With the Panthers, you could pick 
any one of those guys on the taxi squad to come in and play a terrific game. You got three good goaltenders. You've got a very solid defensive core, even though Keith Yandel is not very good anymore. Um, you know, they're just deep. They're a deep team and it could give them the edge in the, in the, in the playoffs. But uh, Randy said that if the Panthers can adapt to the pace and play of Tampa Bay, they're going to win the series. I think it's definitely going to go seven, but it's going to be a really fun series. The other fun series that I think most hockey fans are going to enjoy is the revenge of Zdeno Chara against the Boston Bruins when the Caps and the Bruins meet um, in the Eastern Divisional playoffs. But who is the current favorite to run the table in the Eastern Division right now and get to the semifinals of the playoffs? Um, you know, I'm going to go with the Penguins. You know, they play the best hockey, especially down the stretch. They ended with a plus 40 goal differential. They won eight of their last 10. They ended on a three-game winning streak. And they're going up against an Islanders team who only won three of their last 10 games. And, you know, they've had a little bit of inconsistency offensively. Um, yeah, I it, I think it's got to be Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and Sidney Crosby, you know, can't be said, you know, I – I'm personally, I can't stand the guy as a Rangers fan, but he's, he's outstanding. He's definitely an MVP candidate, but yeah, it's got to, and then that Bruins Washington series, I think that's going to be a really entertaining series. I think that has a chance to go six or seven games. Um, And the Bruins, I mean, even though they had a couple of clunkers at the end of the year, you know, they had a rough loss to the Rangers where they lost to the third string goalie um, and their defense just looked, lost in that game and then they ended up losing their last game against the caps um but yeah i think that's gonna be a fun series but favorite in the east right now is pittsburgh i think it's pittsburgh just because the way that they can play offensively um they're gonna get a challenge in the islanders defense but the islanders just don't have enough offense to contain the pittsburgh penguins right now i will say the bruins have a pretty good chance to run the table in the east because the way that they've played they've only lost four of their last or excuse me, five of their last 15 games of the regular season. And four of those losses were by a goal. So they've been in every game. Great. Oh yeah. I like when they got Taylor Hall, that just gave them a whole boost offensively. And uh, he had the game winner to get the Bruins, the number three seed against the Islanders. Overtime winner. Oh yeah. My, my dad and I had the game on in the, um, in the living room after the Panthers game was over. And he was, I mean, that was, Absolutely fantastic. That was a beautiful move to go through the legs of the defender, the backhand under the glove. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. But I think the Bruins could, the Bruins could do it. They, I think the series against Washington will go seven. The Bruins could do it. They've had a little bit of trouble in Washington reasons past. Um, You know, it's going to be a fun series. And I think if one of those Bruins has any brains, they will go after Tom Wilson right away. I'm just saying. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great series between the, the Bruins and the Capitals. Um, so in the North, we obviously think the MVP candidate is probably going to be McDavid because he has had a tremendous season in Edmonton. He finishes, I think he had a hundred points exactly this season. He probably had a little bit more than that. Uh, 33 goals, 69 assists. So he had 102 points. It's so 50. Yep. Um, 53 games for him to score hundred points. But my question is, are the Oilers that good to get past the Jets in the first round and then perhaps take out the Leafs if they get to the uh, divisional uh, final 
and play against Toronto because I think they're going to beat the Canadians pretty easily. You know, I just want to say, I just want to appreciate the greatness of Connor McDavid for a second. You know, in 53 games, you get 100 points. That is Gretzky-esque. Like, that's insane. And, you know, in a normal season, he would have 30, around 30 more games. You know, it's crazy to imagine how many points he could have ended up with. You know, just a phenomenal year for him and his lineman, Leon Dreisaitl, who had 81. But, um, yeah, I really like the Oilers going to the playoffs. You know, they won seven of their last ten, two in a row. And so, Winnipeg Jets, they lost eight of ten down the stretch. You know, I'm a little concerned about them. They did end up winning their final game of the year, but I really like Edmonton a lot in that series. Um, and then I think Toronto's going to blow – I think they're going to sweep Montreal or at least win five games. You know, I think they're more than that. Um, yeah, they finished almost 20 points better. But, yeah, I do think we're going to get a Toronto versus Edmonton series, and I think that is going to one the walk because Edmonton's played Toronto tough all year. Um but yeah, I'm I'm excited for Edmonton going to the playoffs. I think they the rebound they've had over the last five years or so, they've really built up a solid squad. You know, the one concern I have for them is you just don't know what you're going to get with their goaltending. But the same can be said for Toronto. So we'll see what happens in that series. I think all of us are. Yeah, yeah. I think really, I think all of us are really excited for Connor McDavid in the playoffs. Imagine if he had another 30 something games or what is it now? 28. If he had another 28 games, he probably could finish with 150, 175 points if he kept going. Um, but I think Edmonton's got a pretty good chance. Mm-hmm. I, you're right about the goaltending situation for Edmonton. Is it going to be Koskinen who's had a, a pretty good year or is it going to be Mike Smith, the veteran? Um, their goaltending has been a little up and down, but also, you know, you look at the Leafs too. They haven't been playing, as well on offense and their goaltending situations up in the air is going to be Anderson who's back from injury, Jack Campbell, who's had the majority of starts, David Riddich, the former Calgary flame. And we get Leafs halves for the first time in almost 50 years or 42 years, excuse me. It's going to be the Canadian division is going to be really fun to watch in the playoffs. So how about the West? And obviously it's still undecided. If Colorado wins tonight, they are guaranteed the number two seed. They would need to win out and hope that Vegas loses tonight against, I believe they're playing against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Minnesota can win the number two seed if they win out and Colorado loses out. Um, but what's our theory on Minnesota? Because I think Minnesota is that team that's a little underrated. They've played tough against Colorado and Las Vegas or Vegas, excuse me. Um, but what's our opinions about Minnesota if they're that team of destiny that can run the table in the West and get to the next round? You know, I definitely think they're not a team you can overlook. You know, they've – they're third in that division. They put, they're put scoring almost just as frequently as Vegas and Colorado. You know, 178 goals scored. You know, um, I'm trying to pull up their stats here. Yeah, so Kaprasov, he's got 51 points. He's put 27 in the net. I think he's going to win the Calder. Um, Fiala, he has 20 goals as well. Zuccarello's been a great pickup. Joel Eriksson-Eck with 19 goals. You know, they've got guys like Nick Nick Benino, Marcus Foligno, Rask, who each have 10 goals. 
You know, they've gotten production. They've got a lot of depth. That's the thing with Minnesota's offense. You know, all four lines, they're going to go out there and they're they're going to be posed as threats. And defensively, they've got guys like Dumba, Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon, Brodeen. You know, they're going to – they're tough, man. Um, and then in net, you've got Cam Talbot, who's played very well. So is Kalkinen. Um, they both allowed under 2.7 goals per game and have over 900 save percentages. You know, Minnesota is going to be tough. Um, and I think it's right now, I think they're in a good spot to get that, that three spot. They got two coming up. Like, or Let's see. They've got two coming up against the Blues, which I think they can get. And then Colorado, they've got two coming up against the Kings at home. So I think they're in a good spot to secure that two spot. I think Minnesota, Colorado could be a sneaky under series where I think Minnesota could steal a couple of games. So watch out. I think that's going to be one to watch. Remember, the, the West isn't decided yet. So by the end of the night, Colorado could have the number two spot locked up. Uh, Minnesota has guaranteed themselves the number three. They, they are in the playoffs regardless. They could still get home ice if they win out and Colorado drops its last two. Colorado needs to win out. No, Vegas loses tonight against San Jose, which probably isn't going to happen considering the Sharks are depleted. If Vegas wins, they get the President's Trophy no matter what. Um, but it's a fun race in the West. The West is going to be really fun. I'm The one concern I have about Minnesota is their youth. They're a very young team, despite how good they are. And that youth can be a weakness when you look at the way Colorado can play with their skilled veterans up front. They've got a great uh, goaltender, great defense. Um, how will Minnesota's youth handle the moment? And, um, you know, it, it's set up to be a really fun series. And Colorado went into Vegas and was able to beat the Knights in a very low-scoring game. So they're definitely more confident than they were at the beginning of the season. So let's wrap it up with speed round. We will give our award predictions. Um, I will start with who will win uh, the Calder this year um, in the NHL. Who is our Calder trophy uh, prediction? So that's, so that's going to be Kaprasov, I think, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Now we just had an outstanding year. And 27 goals, that's an easy one. Yeah, I agree. I think Kaprasov's going to win it. I don't know who's a close second, um, but you can make a really big case for um, Kaprasov from Minnesota. I would say Robertson maybe from Dallas, the way that he played this year, um, even though they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Who will win the Vesna? That's the goaltending category. Who is our Vesna trophy winner? That's a tough one. On, let's see. Um, because I think last year who won it, Vasilevsky. I don't think he's gonna win it I this think... year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm gonna have to go with. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Mark Andre Fleury. Um, you know, just just a little over. Just I think 2.04 goals allowed per game. 25 wins on the season. Five shutouts. With a 927 save percentage, I'm going to go with Flurry. I think um, you say Soros is a pretty good candidate. The way that he played, the way he got Dallas into the uh, – excuse me, not Dallas, Nashville into the playoffs, um, he's probably the best contender for it. Um, I would also throw Flurry in there. I think that the, the way Vegas has played with him in that, um, definitely going to be a contender. But I'm going to throw you say Soros in there. The way like Nashville could not have gotten into the playoffs if Soros was not standing on his head every single night. Um, 
So I think it's going to be Soros. Um, who will win the Norris? Who's the best defender in the NHL? I'm biased, but I'm going with Adam Fox. I think he great. I think he led defensemen in points. You know, he was he was very he was a great defenseman too. You know, he played very well in the defensive zone for the Rangers, and he was a power play quarterback for them. Um, I think Hedman's another guy you could go with. You know, obviously he's very good, but I'm gonna go with Adam Fox. I really like the way he played this year, and yeah. I would think Adam Fox too. I would also say Victor Hedman, um, but I don't think he's played consistent enough. I don't think he's been on the lineup enough to really get it. But when you look at Adam Fox, the way that he played, especially late in the year, being that guy to make things happen on defense, um, I, th I think it's got to be him. I think he's going to win it. Who wins the heart? And before you give your answer, I'm just going to go straight ahead and just say it's Connor McDavid. I was going to say Crosby, but – McDavid, with 100 points in 53 games, I mean, with the Oilers being that team that is so fun to watch with their first line with Dreisaitl and McDavid and Darnell Nurse in the back, McDavid just makes that offense go. It's hard to look at the Oilers and not say what they could be could be if Connor McDavid wasn't in the lineup. So I think um, Connor McDavid's the Hart Trophy candidate for sure. It's Connor McDavid. For the same reasons I explained before, you know, 102 points, just unbelievable, a no-brainer. <laughs> I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, the way that he's played, um, I will say though, Alexander Barkov should get maybe two votes because you put him on a line with just about anybody on the Panthers, um, and he still plays his best hockey. Um, that you're going to see from the, the Panthers captain. Um, who is the Jack Adams uh, favorite? That's a uh, coach of the year in the NHL. Hmm. That's also a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with Quenville though. I really like, I'm, I'm on this Florida Panthers bandwagon right now with you. Um, and, you know, I think what he did, especially after Aaron Ekblad went down, you know, they've just been great, you know, to win six in a row to end the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with Quenville. I think Quenville's a pretty good candidate. The way that he got Florida into the playoffs as the number two seed um, and the way that um, he's had to make every line change, finish, uh, you know, put Barkov with whoever on the first line, pair up some of their new acquisition guys. Um, he's in the mix. I would also throw Dean Evison, Dean Eva Evison, however you pronounce it. He's the head coach of the wild, that young team getting into the playoffs with how good they are. They could still be the number two seed if, if everything falls their way, but he's probably in the mix. I just think it's Quenville because the, the Panthers made the transition from almost getting into the playoffs and clinching it instead of having to play in the play in tournament, um, in the bubble last year to being, that threat and being that that team that is dangerous if you don't take them seriously. Um, 37 wins in 56 games is an impressive mark for the Panthers. Lastly, out of all the non-playoff teams, aside from the New York Rangers, who would you most look out for next year? Um, it's also a tough one. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Dallas. Um, you know. 
I thought they played decently down the stretch. Um, they've got a lot of solid. They got some talent on that team. I think Robertson's a very good young player. Ended up with 45 points. Now, I think if they could go out, they also have a really good defensive core with Heiskanen and Klingberg. You know, they got some stars on that offense, like um, Sagan, Jamie Benn. Um, Radulov's not bad either. You know, I think if they could go out and – maybe add another defenseman, maybe get a better goalie. You know, Kadobin's not bad, but I think they could – I think they could build up a little bit on their depth. I think they're going to be dangerous. This might be a little bit of a hot take, but the way that they finished the end of the season, how about Ottawa? I think Ottawa's a team that played so well at the end of the season. They were in every single game. Um, they were able to take out Montreal. They beat Toronto. You know, they've got pieces, and if, if they get um, if, if they get healthy and if they can make some moves um, in the offseason, get some more pieces added to the defense, maybe grab another forward, I, I think that they can make a good run um, in the North. Before we wrap up, um, we we were, uh, the schedule preview was tonight for the NFL. Very, we're very excited. Um Obviously, week one did not have my prediction. I really wanted Eagles versus Giants as Sunday Night Football in week one. I'm not getting that. I'm getting Bears-Rams on Sunday Night Football. I'm a little disappointed in that, mainly because we had the Rams open up last year um, on Sunday Night Football. So I'm a little um, – <laughs> it's a little unfortunate. But um, what do we think of the Bucks hosting the Cowboys in the opener? That's what I originally predicted, so I'm glad it came true. But um, what do we think of the current week one slate uh, in the NFL – you know, it's exciting. Um, I definitely think the Bucs are going to win that game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sold on Dallas until they can prove wrong. You know, that coming off of injury, you know, their defense with a lot of question marks. That should be a fun game to watch, though. Expect a lot of offense. Um, and then after my Giants, you know, they're opening. I'm actually happy that they're opening up against Denver at home because I think that's a very winnable game. Um, you know, the Giants haven't opened up too well recently, but that's a game they should win. Um, you know, obviously, I have no idea who Denver's quarterback's going to be. You know, and if they trade for Rodgers, we might be in trouble. You know, I've seen that rumor <laughs> popping up a lot with Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay, allegedly. But, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for the season, man, and we're getting there. I mean, we got three months or so before, until preseason starts. Um yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the football season. Um, week one is going to be fun. I'm excited for that Bucks cowboys game. The, the Cowboys got so many defensive linemen at the draft. Micah Parsons um, was their first overall pick. He's going to be a star in Dallas. Um, they've got a young defense. They've got a high-octane offense. But, I mean, it's America's team against Super Bowl champs. That was my original prediction, so I'm glad it came true. The Panthers get the Jets in week one at home, which is disappointing because I was really hoping that it would be maybe the Saints. Well, yeah, obviously that, but um, I was hoping to be the Saints. Right. I was hoping it would be the the Saints or maybe the Falcons, maybe a divisional game. They make a nice week one to see how good the Panthers are. They got a lot of good pieces. Um, There's a rumor that the, uh, the Bucks and the Patriots are the Sunday night game in week four which is probably going to be the debut of Mac Jones because I think Cam Newton is still terrible. So um, that's that. So we're, gonna, we're definitely going to be tuning Patriots into that. Week one. 
Uh, they are playing at, against Miami at home. So they basically get week one of last year all over again. I think it's a 430 okay. kickoff, but there's some there's some pretty good games. You got the Bills playing uh, host to the Steelers in week one. Um, you get Chiefs-Browns in Kansas City week one. That's going to be a great game. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay, they open up at New Orleans. Um, there's a couple other good ones. I think Trevor Lawrence plays his first game in Houston. So he's probably going to win that because the Texans just – I mean, they got nothing left after what happened last year. So um, week one just got released today. I'm very disappointed in the Sunday football game because it's Bears-Rams, a matchup we always get, and it's not fun. And, you know, give us a, you know, Chiefs, if, if Chiefs, excuse me, if Chiefs-Browns was an opening, is was a week one game, you should have made that the Sunday football game instead of Bears-Rams. I don't know what's so important about that. Um, but anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Marvel Sports Podcast. Um, stick around. I'll, I will also have my interview with Randy Muller this afternoon um, up as well. But for Andrew, I'm David saying so long. We will see you next time.